The Apostles' Creed is a statement of our unshakable faith. And I want us to read it together. You can find the words in the back of your bulletin. I think um, Bob will also have it on the screen. And so we will um, read this together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the universal Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our final scripture reading is at chapter 27, beginning at verse 27, going through the end of our chapter. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swinging away and escaping, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump aboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord Christ, I know that there are moments in life where it feels like we are going through a storm. But I also know, Lord, that you are in control, that your plans, your purposes shall prevail, and we can trust those purposes. I pray specifically right now for Michelle's 
nephew and niece and the birth of twins today, I just pray, Lord, preservation. I pray preservation for these two babies. I pray health for their mother. I pray protection over them. Lord, I don't know what the outcome of the storm of this birth will be, but I trust you. And Lord, I just pray that by faith you would strengthen them. Grant now, I pray also to all who are present here today, whatever storm they may be walking through, give them strength, courage, calm, I pray. In your great name, Christ. Amen. I, I know that Tim Combs is a man of God. I know that Tina Therina is a woman of God. In my opinion, to say that about someone serves as the highest words of praise you could ever ascribe to another person. Moses is called the man of God in Deuteronomy 33, verse 1. Proverbs 31 tells us that a woman of God is to be praised. And the mark of a Christian leader begins with this character trait of being a man of God or being a woman of God. No doubt the Apostle Paul was a man of God. No doubt he was one of the greatest Christian leaders of the church. It is the case because Paul says in Acts 27, verse 23, that he belonged to God and that he served God. The foundation of a Christian leader begins with such a commitment of belonging to God and of serving God. For one, a Christian leader must be saved. He or she must be purchased by the blood of Christ. You were not created to believe in yourself. You were created to believe in someone bigger than yourself. His name is Jesus. Have you trusted in Christ as your savior today? Second, a Christian leader must serve the Lord. He or she must be given to the cause of Jesus. You were not saved to live a mundane life, but you were saved to live for the great cause of Jesus. Jean Venier says, we are not called by God to do extraordinary things, but to do ordinary things with extraordinary love. Will you serve from the love of your Savior today? The Christian leader is thus saved by Christ in order to serve Christ. And so if you are a believer in Jesus today, let me challenge you to be God's man or to be God's woman. I, I totally get that each individual plays a different role in life, but every believer, every believer can exhibit the qualities of a Christian leader in various contexts. Christian students can lead in their schools. Christian workers can lead in their place of employment. Christian volunteers can lead in their communities. Christian parents can lead in their homes. We are terribly mistaken to just put the moniker of 
Christian leader upon those who assume pastoral roles or those who serve as missionaries or those who take on some other ministerial title. If we have been bought at the great price of Jesus' blood, then we should each live for him as men of God and as women of God. In this regard, let's observe what we can learn from Paul amid the events of Acts chapter 27 and how it should shape the makeup of our lives. First, Christian leaders will rise in times of adversity. Without question, adversity tests our character and our commitment. I think it is safe to say that the crux of who we are often comes to the forefront amid the most challenging circumstances of our lives. People either rise to an occasion or they shrink from it. As with Paul, whenever we find the storm at its worst, we find him at his best. I further think it's safe to say that the storm of Acts Chapter 27 could easily symbolize the storms that come upon all of our lives. How will we then navigate them? The lost job, the cancer diagnosis, a pandemic, a devastating fire. I most certainly think it's safe to say that the storms of our lives are not pleasant. Nevertheless, Sir Francis Drake, the 15th century sea captain and explorer, prayed that the storms would draw us closer and awaken us to our dependence upon Jesus Christ. I have the prayer of, Saint, of Sir Francis Drake hanging in my school classroom, it reads like this, Disturb us, Lord, when we are too pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrived safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wilder seas, where losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push back the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. This we ask in the name of our captain, who is Jesus Christ. No matter how hard the storms blow, we are grounded in the faith that the will of God will ultimately prevail because Jesus Christ is our captain. Are we standing on the promises of God today? If so, amid the stormy waters, Christian leaders will exhibit an unshakable faith. Do not miss what Paul says in verse 25, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. In other words, Paul says, I stand on the promises of God. 
Paul was convinced in Acts 19, verse 21, that he must also see Rome. And God confirms that conviction to his apostle. In Acts 23, verse 11, it reads, The Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify about me in Rome. Now, once again, we find the Lord's promise reaffirmed at verse 24 at chapter 27. Here again, an angel of God says, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So while the storm of Acts 27 illustrates the unshakable faith of Paul, it serves even more as a reminder about the source of that faith. Men and women of God will find their calm and their confidence and their courage amid life storms because they are leaning on everlasting arms. When Brooke was in the hospital after her placenta began to abrupt at only 23 weeks with Chamblin, our then pastor, Dr. Dan Doriani, encouraged us with these words from Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my, right, my mighty rock. He is my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him. For God is our refuge. Because God is my rock and my salvation. Because God is my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Later in John 16, Jesus Christ, our Lord, says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. The one who overcomes the world promises by his word to never leave us nor forsake us. It is an unshakable promise. The one who overcomes the world promises by his word. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It is an unshakable promise. It is why Dr. D.G. Barnhouse, a longstanding pastor of 33 years at 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, had a means alongside his wife to squelch moments of despondency in their lives. One would say, well, we think that all things might work together for our good. At which point the other would say, not at all. For we know that all things do work together for the good. And so it is that Christian leaders encourage others with God's word. No one likes an I told you so. Yet, isn't that precisely what Paul is doing at verse 21? Maybe. But if there was ever a reason for an I told you so, perhaps we could justify it here. I say that for two reasons. On a more pragmatic level, by reminding the men on the ship of his earlier warning, Paul reinforces his credibility before them. 
But on a more significant level, Paul is showing these men on the boat that he is speaking from the authority of God's word. It is important to understand that the apostle is not speaking from a spirit of conceit. Rather, he is speaking from an unshakable faith that God's word is true and that his promises are trustworthy. Paul had told the men to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. He is encouraging the fearful with a word from the Lord. Kevin DeShazo adds, leaders are optimists. That does not mean they ignore reality. It means that they see the situation, but they lead with a belief that drives the team toward a better day. Pessimism and negativity holds us back. Optimism leads us forward. Leaders like Paul stir up hope. And they stir up hope precisely because they speak the authoritative word of God. Christian leaders will recognize that sometimes people need to hear a word from God, especially during the fiercest storms of their lives, especially when they are afraid. I've shared this story with you before. I remind it to you now again. John Carmack was a lawyer and he was approaching the end of his life. So he called his pastor, Alexander White, to his home. He wanted to get some papers in order, he said. So White came and reviewed things with Carmack and as he began to make his way to the door, Carmet grasped White by the hand and cried out, Do you have any words for an old sinner? Alexander White was caught off guard. You see, Carmet was highly respected in the community as a Christian. He had long served, in fact, as an elder in White's church. And it was at that moment that the Holy Spirit brought to White's lips the words of Micah 7, verse 18. He delighteth in mercy. Carmen would soon pass away, and it was a day or so later, because you know then the mail didn't run quite as quickly as maybe today, maybe today, um, when White received a letter, and the letter said that while Satan had sought to sow doubt and despair in his heart, it was White's reminder from Micah 7.18 that brought confidence and comfort to Carmen's soul. For you and me to encourage people from the scripture, we must be first close enough to God to know his word. And we must stand ready to speak it at an apt time. Are we regularly spending time alone with the Lord in his word? Finally, Christian leaders understand that they have a God-given purpose, even if they don't always know the roadmap that's going to get them there. The hymn, God Will Take Care of You, was spurred on by the words of a young son to his father. Dr. Steelman Martin was a well-known Baptist evangelist who had been asked to travel some distance to preach. And on that day he was to leave, his wife, Sevilla, became suddenly ill. So as a result, Martin thought that he was to cancel his engagement. But it was at that moment that his son spoke up and said, Dad, 
Don't you think if God wants you to preach that he will take care of mom one way or another while you are away? In other words, the young man was saying, if God has appointed you to preach, dad, you better go preach. Those words prompted the evangelist to keep his obligation where reportedly many professions of faith followed. And those words also prompted Sevilla Martin, who eventually recovered from her illness, to write these words. No matter what may be the test, God will take care of you. Lean, weary one, on his breast. God will take care of you. Again, Paul had said earlier in Acts 19.21 that he must see Rome, not out of some personal interest, mind you, but for godly purposes. He knew that Rome stood at the strategic center of the world. So it was from Rome that the gospel could spread like wildfire far and wide. And Luke writes in Acts chapter 28 at verse 14, we came to Rome. Paul likely did not know why God's purpose involved such an experience at sea, only to reach Rome and be imprisoned. After all, that seems a bit excessive even perhaps for Paul. But no matter the tests, Paul knew that God would take care of him. And he knew this. He knew this because he was carrying out the purposes of God. And since it was God who he served, he knew that nothing could harm him unless God permitted it. This much I can tell you with utmost assurance, you have a purpose in this world. You may not always know the details behind your destination, but if you are God's man, or if you are God's woman, you can always cling to this blessed thought that in wherever and during the whenever and amid the however, God leadeth you. And so I want our song of invitation to also be our prayer of response this morning. Whatever I do, wherever I be, still your hand, God, it leadeth me. My waters still are over troubled sea. It is your hand, God, that leadeth me. Is the Holy Spirit leading you to make a decision for Jesus this morning? Is the day the day you say yes to him as your Savior and Lord. Is today the day that he is leading you to unite to this church to serve Jesus by loving one another, by loving the Metro East, and by loving the surrounding world, all for the glory of God? How is Christ leading you today? If the Holy Spirit says come, best you come. If you're able, I invite you to stand. Hymn 81, He leadeth me, O blessed thought. <laughs>